So today we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 9. So you can turn, into, to, turn to 566 in your pew Bibles, or it'll be on the screen for you today in the back too. Um, but I'm going to ask you a question before we get going. What do you think is the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life? The most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Well, while you, while you think about that, let's talk about decisions. Throughout our entire life, we're going to make thousands of decisions. Uh, most of these decisions are rather mundane and routine, like what we're going to eat. Do we eat stir-fry? Do we eat hot dish, a favorite hot dish? Or do we eat hamburger and fries? And some of you know that food is very important to me. And I'm sorry for some of you right now, your concentration has ended on me, and now it's on food. And you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Well, I'm sorry about that. This message is not going to last forever, so before long you'll be eating. Other mundane, everyday routine decisions could include what we're going to wear. Oh, sometimes my wife, she labors over that. I'm done in one minute, you know, but she labors. We have to decide on school-related things, work-related things, and we have to decide on our free time, what we're going to do with that. Or we have to decide on whether we're going to answer that phone call or answer that text, what we're going to say in those texts. And we have to decide on whether we're not going to go to church. And the list could go on and on and on. However, there are some major decisions of life, aren't there? For example, you're going to have to decide on what car you're going to buy. And this may date me, but back in a few years ago, it was like you had a Chevrolet, you had a Ford, and you had a Chrysler, and there wasn't too many more to choose from. Nowadays, it's Nissan, and Mini Coopers, and Volvos, Lexus. Uh, Yeah, I wish. Buying a car is a pretty critical decision because it's going to cost some money, isn't it? How about where we're going to decide to live? Should we live in a big town, you know, Grand Forks? Should we live in a small town like Nifolden or Carlston, Thief River? This is a fairly major decision because it's going to impact a lot of your life, where you're going to live. Then once you've picked out a place to live, you've got to buy a house, a home. And that's pretty major because that's a lot of moolah, and you're going to have to spend a lot of money. You're also going to have to decide on your occupation, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. So that's pretty huge, isn't it? Because we've got to support ourselves. We've got to work. How about this? How about you're going to, who's going to be your friend? Who your friends are going to be? Or who you're going to marry? Pretty major. There are many major decisions we have to make in life. However, there's one I haven't mentioned yet, and I know most of you are sitting out there with the answer. Is there anyone bold enough this morning to raise your hand and tell me what you think, I think, is the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life? Anybody? Okay. Thank you. All right, let's give Shannon a hand. All right, thank you, Shannon. And I didn't say it, but she gets candy, and I got you two. No, not you, Rick. Yeah, I had to get rid of last year's Halloween candy, so. 
No, I'm just kidding. I should have given you a whole bunch more so you could share with your family. But. Okay, you're right. To me, the most important decision that we'll ever have to make is what we're going to do with Jesus Christ. Is we're going to make him our Lord and Savior. I put this in the front of my message because once we've answered this major decision, Scripture tells us that God will help us with all the other decisions of life. And the book of Proverbs is really cool because it's packed full of little tidbits of wisdom that will help us understand life. To be honest, sometimes Proverbs is a little hard to track because it literally jumps from one verse to the next on totally different subjects. However, it keys in on wisdom and how to live wisely. Let me stop right here and put a little plug in because currently one of our adult classes is studying Proverbs. And that's kind of why I'm preaching on Proverbs today. But we have three adult classes. We have the young marrieds that are over here, right in the man cave. And we have Tim Kiviaho's class back there. And we have the other class right across from Brenda's uh, office. So uh, if you don't currently attend a class, I'm going to encourage you to give it a try. I'm dating myself again here, but do you remember this commercial? If you try it, you'll like it. You remember that cereal commercial that said, don't let Mikey try it. He hates everything. And then the kid takes a scoop full of life cereal and says, hey, Mikey, he likes it, he likes it. You're going to like Sunday school. You just got to taste it. You got to go for it. It's mm, good. I just had to put in a little plug in for, for Sunday school. So let's dive into our word or God's word today and see what God has to tell us about decision-making. We're going to look at Proverbs 9. Uh, like I said, Proverbs does a lot of jumping around, so we're going to jump right into verse 10, because it's tucked right in the middle of our scripture, and it gives that, that key to life and addresses that most important decision about what we're going to do with God. So Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. As I said earlier, once you've decided to follow Christ as your Savior, God will help you with all the other decisions of life. This is a promise that we can claim, that we can stand on. However, when we only, when we fear the Lord, are we able to begin down that path of wisdom. Over and over we see the scriptures talking about um, truth. It, it, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus also said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Another promise here is that if we obtain um, knowledge of the Holy One, God, we will be given understanding. So how can we obtain knowledge about God? Well, I think it's quite simple. We need to read and study God's Word, don't we? We need to set aside a special time every day in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening 
But try your hardest to schedule that, that part of your day to read God's word. In addition to reading God's word, we can go to church, just like you are today. That's great. And go to Bible studies. Some of you have maybe heard me say this before, but the best way to learn is to teach. We can teach Bible school. We can teach Sunday school. We can teach detour. You know, there's so, Awana, there's so many places where you can plug in and teach. And if you teach God's word, you have to study for it, don't you? And then you're going to learn about God, and you will obtain more understanding about God. There's another promise here that says that if we obtain wisdom and understanding from God, that our days will be multiplied and years will be added. Friends, life is so much better with God. Judy and I have said it to, our, to each other many, many times throughout our married life that we just don't understand how people get through life without God. We honestly don't understand it. It would be utterly terrible and fearful to go through life without God. So this is where we need to start to find wisdom in decision-making. We need to start with the fear of God, the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Once we've done that, God promises us that he will help us. Now, let's go back to the beginning of our passage. So we're going to go back to verse 1. And again, it's a critical part that was stuck right in the middle, but now we're going to go back to the beginning. So chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her, built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come eat of my bread and drink of, my, of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. Okay, I just want to quickly note something interesting here. You know, we all agree that God has written this word, right? But why did he reference woman as wisdom as female? Why? Mark, do you want to answer that? No, I don't either. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Look at wisdom. Look at what she does for us. She gets everything prepared. She builds a house. She readies the meat, the drink, the table. She even sends out the maidens, to invite people into the house. If you're simple, turn in here. Come into the house of wisdom. Then she, wisdom, makes a promise. If you come in and dine with me, I will give you understanding. However, you have to forsake one thing, foolishness. Let me talk about wisdom in her house and her fine dining. I might be wrong here, but I, I believe that one of the foods that we can dine on in this beautiful house is God's Word. As I just mentioned, if we read and study God's Word, He can teach us and we can obtain understanding. There's a ton of scripture out there that talks about God's Word as food. 
one of the ones that is most familiar that probably, probably pops into your brain is uh, in uh, Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus answered Satan and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And another cool part in this scenario is that when we are dining, God gives us the Holy Spirit who is right there with us to enlighten us, the scripture as we read. When Jesus left the earth, he promised to send us the Holy Spirit, didn't he? The comforter to help us. So the Holy Spirit dines with us. We also dine with each other in this house. As co-heirs of Christ, we are admonished to study God's word together. In Hebrews it says, don't forsake, forsake or neglect the gathering together as believers. Pastor Gary is an excellent teacher of the word, isn't he? And for over 25 years, we've been sincerely blessed to be under his teaching. And guess what? You can listen to him almost any time you want. Just go to our website, and I think we have it posted. It, it says, here's where you go, and you can listen to his messages. In the summertime, when I'm slaving away in that hot sun, riding in my air-conditioned John Deere riding lawnmower for the school, I plug in Pastor Gary quite frequently. And it, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do that, you know? You can listen to other speakers. How about Ravi Zacharias? You ever heard of him? Wonderful speaker. Paul Washer, David Jeremiah. Oh, there, there's a ton of them out there. You, you do have to be kind of selective, kind of choosy who you listen to, but there's an endless supply of Bible teachers that will help us learn more about God and God's wisdom. You can also link up with Bible studies. We've got Women of the Word. We've got Man Cave. We've got the Set Apart Bible Study and many other Bible studies. Young people going to college, I encourage you to find those Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible Studies. Or, if you can't find a Bible study, what can you do? You can start your own. Okay, let's switch gears here. Let me ask you a very basic question. Even though you accept, have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you're on that journey walking in the fear of the Lord, does that mean you will never make a foolish decision? No, absolutely not. Let's make it clear that we all can make foolish decisions. Throughout the rest of our journey in life, we still need to hear that call of wisdom who invites us to come into her house, her house and dine on that bread of understanding. We need to make a conscientious decision to turn into that house. We haven't finished our scripture reading yet. So let's continue because I think you're going to find it really interesting. There's another house out there. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go on, their st on straight, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. 
And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Isn't it interesting? Do you see any similarities between the two portions of Scripture that we just read? This lady has a house. She also is up on a high place. She also calls out to those who are passing by, and basically she's kind of saying the same thing. If you need help, if you're simple, come in here and I'll give you understanding. The description of the foolish woman is almost identical to that of the woman of wisdom. She calls out the same way. Isn't that kind of leery and kind of spooky in a way? Well, to be honest, it should scare us a little bit. Who is this clamorous woman of folly? Who is she? Is it Satan? We know what Satan has done throughout mankind's history, don't we? He's deceived us. He has lied to us over and over. Satan has told us, you shall surely not die. Just take a little bite, and then you'll be like God. He's tempted us to be our own gods. Throughout history, over and over, we've seen how Satan has tricked people into following him. However, I think we need to be brutally honest here. Maybe you're thinking this already. This clamorous woman of folly can also be our own selfishness and our own sinful nature. I don't think we always need Satan to drag us down the path that's not pleasing to God. Our own minds have always had a natural bent for sin. A few years ago, I don't know if you remember, right up on this platform, I think we had Zach Anderson on one side, Pastor Gary on the other. He put this doll on this line and called it the zip line to destruction, and that doll just went right down. It's that bent, that old sinful nature is always calling to us. But Satan is absolutely no help. He's right there to battle us in our minds. He is always right there to throw in a temptation to feed our selfishness. Isn't it interesting when you think about it how Satan uses so many devices to mimic God? Satan always tries to put something in our lives that it's good and tasty. Satan has even gone as far to uh, have his own prophets for people to follow. He's given them his own book to replace the Bible. He's given people his own religion to follow. Over and over in history, we see how Satan is attempting to outbest God over and over. In these scriptures, we see how Satan has how Satan and our own sinful nature try to convince us that stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Man, that looks good. It tastes so sweet. No one's going to know about it because I'm eating in the dark all by myself. No one's going to see me if I watch this show late at night because no one's here. No one's going to see me when I look at that video on that phone No one's going to see me if I pop that prescription pill or take that drink because I'm in my house all by myself. It looks so good. It tastes so sweet. 
Decisions, decisions, decisions. As long as, as we live on earth, we need to be making decisions. Where does this foolish type of decisions lead us? Well, let's look at verse 18. Verse 18 of chapter 9 says, But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Who is the he in this verse? I believe it's anyone, including myself, who follows the old sinful nature and Satan, Satan's wisdom, for lack of a better term. We are holding hands with death when we give in to these temptations of the world. I love word pictures, and I've probably told you this before. Um, so this passage really helps me to understand what God is talking about. So let's go to our minds. Just think about this. You're walking down the street, okay? And you come up to a T in the road. You got a house up over here on this hill. You got a house up over here on this hill. You stop. You got a decision to make. You have to either turn to the left or to the right. You got people calling out to you. Okay? They're saying, if you need help, come on over here because my master has it all. He's got everything prepared for you. Come on into my house. And as you're standing there, you can close your eyes and you can smell the bread baking. You can smell the meat on the barbie. It's, it's smelling pretty good. Don't you agree with me? One of the best smells in the whole wide world is when you walk into your house and your, your mom or your wife has been baking bread. Now I got you thinking about food, don't I? Sorry. Back to the tea in the road. Okay, we're standing there. You got to make that decision. They're both calling out to you. They're both pulling you. What do you do? I'm making this look and sound quite simple, aren't I? You got to turn to the right or to the left. You got God's house good on one side. You got Satan's house bad on the other side. To be honest, it isn't always that simple or easy, is it? To distinguish what's good or bad. Many times it's not black and white. It's, sometimes the scripture is very clear, but sometimes, sometimes it's not. Reality and experience tells us that many times it's a difficult, so difficult to distinguish what could be evil or good. Many times we've made a decision, we've prayed over it, only to find out that it was a mistake and turned into a complete disaster. Wouldn't it be cool if every decision we ever had to make in life was right in the Bible, so you just turned there and then you followed all the instructions, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Friends, it's not that cut and dry. Please don't interpret me here. I am no way saying that we shouldn't be searching the scriptures and praying. I'm not saying that. No, we need to be praying and asking God and looking into his word to help us make these decisions. What I am saying, life is hard. Decision-making isn't like cookie-cutter easy. And I am saying that if you've got Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're seeking him and you want to follow him, that life will be better. Not easy. It will be better. 
We will make, make mistakes in our decision-making. However, that doesn't mean that you can't stop and correct that mistake. God is a God of mercy, and he's full of grace, and he's merciful not to punish us if what we deserve. He gives us grace and forgiveness. So sometimes we need to stop. We need to back up that bus, and God many times will reveal to us a different direction. He wants good things for us. He wants us to prosper. Don't be afraid to put on the brakes when you're having some second thoughts. Stop, think, pray, and ask the advice of God. Or ask the advice of someone you know. Maybe your mom and dad. Oh, maybe they know something. Or your grandma and grandpa. Or Pastor Gary or Pastor Evan. Somebody. Ask them for advice. Let's close by reading verse 9 which again is kind of tucked right in the middle of Proverbs here. Um, Proverbs 9, 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Hopefully you've become a little wiser today, not by my words, but by the word of God. Hopefully you you've been able to sift out some of the junk that comes out of my mouth and my mind, but you've been able to hold on to some of the wisdom that comes from God's word. But you have to seek it. You have to want to learn, and you have to be in places that help you learn, like you are today. Then when you're walking along that pathway, and you come up to that T, and you hear all these voices calling you, hey, come over here. You want answers? You want some wisdom? You'll be able to figure out which way to turn. Speaking of houses to abide in, let me end on this note. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Think of this, friends. When we finally get to that house that God has prepared for us up in heaven, we don't need to wonder any longer about whether or not we're making the right decision because God will have made all things new. That's a promise. And he will made, he have made all things perfect. He will have removed sin and evil and there's no chance of making a wrong decision. It almost is unfathomable, isn't it? That we're going to be in a perfect world, perfect place with God. Oh, one more thing, just one more thought. In Revelation, it, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. That sure sounds to me like there might be food in heaven. I don't know about you. But that sounds like food. Well, we're done. So you can go home and eat. But let's pray before we leave. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word that teaches us over and over to come to you, to seek you, to follow you. And Father, I do thank you for your graciousness to us. When we make mistakes, when we make wrong decisions, you are gracious to us. Help us to be real uh, discernful, discern, use discernment, and to seek you, your Holy Spirit, to make the right decisions in life. 
Thank you so much for loving us right where we are for who we are. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.